Welcome to J.P. Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? I'm doing fine. So this is one of the unusual weeks where things are actually playing out the way we had been expecting. Uh, we had been looking for the rotation to be more clear-cut in terms of U.S. and China growth, uh, the U.S. helped by inflation, boosting household purchasing power, China being hurt by quite a few things. I don't know uh, how, which one I want to put on the top, but certainly COVID, housing, um, and uh, perhaps a couple of others that are worth mentioning as well. So why don't you put that into context in terms of how the global economy overall is looking as we move through the fourth quarter? Well, I mean, I, I, I think you said it. I mean, it kind of lays it out in terms of a sense of divergences, right? I, I've been kind of noting this this dance that's been happening between Europe on the one hand and, and U.S. and China on the other hand, when you look through the first half of the year where both U.S. and China were contracting and Europe was actually fairly strong, uh, that started to reverse as we moved through the second half of the year with China bouncing in the third quarter, the U.S. coming back as well. Uh, and then an expectation that Europe would fall into recession. I think you're you're right to point out that China's bounce is looking smaller than we thought, and now we're seeing kind of things, uh, you know, sputter out. Uh, the data this week was um, a fairly big disappointment, particularly on the consumer. I think manufacturing was in line with expectations, but our expectations were pretty ugly for a six-tenths contraction in output, and that's what we got for the month of October. But retail sales, I mean, we were looking for a pretty ugly 1% down, and I think by our seasonal adjustment, it was down like 3.5%. Um, we were looking for a 3% down, Joe, uh, and it came in minus 3.5. I thought, I think we were looking for a bit bigger than, or not as big, but anyway, okay. uh, I mean, those are big, regardless of what we were looking for, okay, let's leave that aside. But I think the point is, is that these were, these are significant negative numbers. And I think it's a reminder of something that, frankly, we've been worried about, at least from the global side, from the get-go here, that COVID was not going to go away. We weren't just going to go back after the second quarter bounce, and and it's going to continue to be a drag. And as you pointed out, the housing sector continues to be a drag. So in response to all of this, Bruce, like when we think about our year-ahead outlook, we, we've really taken a, a kind of a hatchet to, to, to our views on China. I think we took off as much as a percentage point off of uh, Chinese GDP growth next year. And that kind of changes the flavor of the outlook. Um, you know, at the same time, we also changed our U.S. outlook. I assume we'll, we'll get into that. But um, with U.S. slide or Europe sliding into recession and U.S. getting a bounce on the consumer side in the near term, um, you know, I think uh, it's it's really one of divergent paths. Yeah, it's divergent paths, but it's one where the overall picture on the global economy is not sinking, at least not as we look at the next few months. And I think that's the the important point I would get across. And in that context, and it depends um, on who you're asking, right? If you're a European, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, well, Europe's an interesting story. I mean, we'll 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 see how it works out. We certainly have a contraction in the forecast. There certainly is a big drag coming from the uh, natural gas price story. There's inflation that's still rampant across the, the region. Uh, but the data flow has not yet shown a tilt into contraction. In fact, if anything, it's the region which has delivered the most consistent upside surprises over the last uh, six to eight weeks. So we'll, we'll see next week. We'll get PMIs. And frankly, and we'll that too is something that we've been flagging for the better part of a few months that we probably got a little too downbeat in a world where it seemed like the natural gas 
inventories were building more than people had appreciated. And similarly, that fiscal policy was going to play a bigger role. And so uh, that had led to those upward revisions. But yeah, if we're right, next week should be the beginning of some, some more serious indications that things are starting to crack. And that's going to come with the flash PMIs, where we are looking for uh, a pretty notable step down uh, in those uh, in that November reading. And that'll contrast, of course, from the US where we expect, I mean, maybe I think manufacturing uh, flash PMI goes down a little bit, but I think the services should probably step back up and that will be kind of the broader reflection of the of that broader economy and doing a bit better. But that gets us into the uh, bigger picture issue. I think what we've been emphasizing is that we're not as much at risk of the, the global economy breaking here, uh, at least next for the next few months with supply conditions actually improving and delivering a fairly important uh, deceleration and in inflation. And that's where the purchasing power lift on a consumer in the US that's probably tracking close to a 4% consumption gain in Q4 right now matters. But there is at the same time, every reason to worry about tightening in financial conditions, how that plays out over time. And we put out our US outlook for 23, 24 right now, or right now this week, and um, and did incorporate a mild recession starting at the end of next year. So that is now part of our macro um, outlook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, that, story about timing and timing's important here you you are having a lot of conversation with clients i'm having a lot of conversations with clients who are kind of really worrying about a near term break that a recession starts sometime soon looking at things like a 7% mortgage rate or looking at the senior loan officer senior loan officer surveys those things kind of starting to tighten and worry that we're we're setting ourselves up for a recession seeing it the payrolls numbers decelerate that's a mistake i you know and and i think that's a part of the view that we're really trying to push here simply because the the, the tailwinds we're going to get from the the fading um of inflation that purchasing power boost it's going to be incredibly powerful uh, i mean you could get as much as a eight percentage points swing in real DPI growth in the U.S. from the first half of the year to the next couple quarters here. And it's just hard to imagine the consumer not doing well. And case in point was that upside surprise in the consumer that we're seeing uh, right now. It's going to take time for those financial conditions to bite a little bit more. And then by the time you get to the end of the next year is when we think you'll lose these tailwinds we think we're getting right now, but you're still left with financial conditions that are are still tight and frankly tighter because we see more Fed hikes coming. In fact, in our forecast, we added one more Fed hike, so we're getting up to uh, 5% there. Yeah, and I think that's important. We didn't just add for the Fed, but we added for the ECB, uh, a couple of other smaller countries as well. You know, there's a, a storyline here that has central banks moving towards a pause. And we certainly endorse the idea that the fall in inflation we're seeing encourages moderation. But I think to get a pause, you need more than that. You need either a much sharper fall in inflation than is in our forecast or a combination of that with a clear sense that labor market conditions have eased. Uh, and that's, I think, where there's really not supporting evidence at this stage, neither the news coming out of the US nor the news coming out of Europe, and Europe is supposed to be a lot weaker right now, uh, are saying that labor markets are that weak. Um, the wage numbers that we're seeing 
uh, with this week's Aggie Mittal settlement, with the UK numbers that have come out. Yeah. None of these things <laughs> giving you these these kinds of uh, signals that you'd like to see that get you comfortable as a central banker. Uh, that is time to take a pause, and I think that's one of the the risks, which does further increase the the more the more medium term and recession risks. If I can talk about the end of next year being medium term, and that is that central banks may not be in a position to stop anytime soon. Well, not only that, Bruce, I I actually think it's it's instrumental for the baseline narrative for a recession to start because one of the unique things about the outlook right now and and what we're seeing in the in the actual activity numbers we were looking at it this morning is the housing market is already i mean the interest sensitive namely housing is it's really adjusting sharply right now so you might say like well what is it by the time you get to the end of next year is going to break if the housing market is already going through a significant adjustment and i think the story is that, and we we said this for the past couple cycles, that don't lose sight of the profit cycle. Don't lose sight of the profit margin. And I think to generate that recession dynamic that kicks in at the end of next year, you really need to look at what's happening on margins and look at cost pressures that are going to build in a world where inflation does come off, but wages stay sticky. Wage inflation is sticky and stays higher, and you start to get building margin compression. And that's the the kind of the impetus for that late late twenty three recession, where corporates finally start to shift gears to more cost cutting, and you get some labor shedding, and you get a pullback on investment. And that gives you a a, a mild recession. And I think the reason it's mild is simply, because you don't have the other imbalances like a housing market that would amplify that type of downturn. So it's it actually is kind of a, a unique downturn and is it's an interesting story uh if it if it plays out. Well, I think if it plays out that way, it's actually not that unique because it puts a lag between when the Fed stops and when things go down and it has the building financial pressures and cl- incorporating uh, continued downward uh, pressure on corporate margins, which is what happened in the late 90s and what happened in the uh, late 80s as well. It was a long US, time so. ago, Bruce. <laughs> Maybe Unfor- unfortunately, unfortunately, I actually remember I was those. just going to uh, say uh, that, yeah. <laughs> so they, they and, and I think that is part of the recipe here, is time with um, uh, some deterioration in, in corporate performance, particularly on the margin side, um, the tightening and financial conditions building, of course, with more central bank hikes, those are things that get you there. And as as you said earlier, the the benefits that we're getting from the fall in inflation being somewhat transitory in the picture, all of those things are recipes for uh, the recession. They're not recipes for that recession starting immediately. And I think to get that, we probably would need to see some new shock to the system, which you know we obviously can't ignore, but don't have built into the forecast. So I think we'll um, uh, end there. Uh, and thanks, everybody, and hope to be able to continue this conversation. I don't think we're going to be doing JP Morgan TV next week with the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, but we probably will do a an Outlook podcast continuation uh, at of some this point conversation. next week, <laughs> which will be in some ways a continuation. But we're going to bring some other people, I think, into that conversation. So it won't be just you and I going, going at it um, next week. So thanks, everybody. Take care. Happy holiday if we don't speak to you before then.